Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. Alongside, as per usual, my father, Chris. Chris, how are you doing this fine Thursday afternoon? I'm good, Dylan. Thank you very much for asking. How are you? I am fantastic. You actually asked me this week. I appreciate it. <laughs> I remembered. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The jerk I got all time. moody when you didn't. Yes, you did. I did. Um, let's get right into things, as we usually do, as my poor transitions continue for another week. Saturday morning, the Blue Jays announced their non-raster invitees to the 2019 spring training. To 2019 spring training, not the 2019 spring training. That list included top prospects such as Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, and others. Uh, is there anyone that you were surprised to see here or to see that was not on this list? No, actually, I think this is a pretty comprehensive list of uh, players that I expected would probably get invited to spring training this year. Nothing really surprises me. I mean, we all know that none of these te- these players are going to make it out of spring training. Um, I mean, I can't even see maybe Forrest Wall, but I, I highly doubt that. Um, and I think it's all going to be the safe service time. We'll see VGJ later and uh, maybe even Bo and Vigio as well. But uh but again, I think this is great because this gets them some playing time against big league pitching. And then when they make their way to AAA at the end of spring training, uh, hopefully they'll be back pretty soon in the, uh, the youth movement in Toronto. Sorry to interrupt you. We're getting breaking news. Um, as we're recording this, Blue Jays prospect Casey Clemens is suing a Texas bar alleging assault. Uh, so that was a dark turn from where we <laughs> began. A, well, also, but, uh, uh, how's he suing? So. The bar alleging assault. Would the bar assault him? Or, uh... <laughs> I don't know, but it says here, the article that I'm reading says that Casey Clemens is suing a bar claiming assault. Um, Toronto Blue Jays prospect Casey Clemens is suing a Texas bar alleging he and a friend were assaulted by bouncers and staff on New Year's Eve. The 24-year-old Clemens, son of former Blue Jays pitcher Roger Clemens and Connor Cappell, claimed they were unjustly assaulted by bouncers and staff, causing severe injuries. As we look at a picture, oh my, that is atrocious. Well, I don't, wow, I don't see blood the picture. splattered but... all over a face. Wow, that's not oh, good. That's, that is not good at all. So Casey Clemens is suing a Texas bar. Breaking news for you on 211's Baseball Talk, uh, episode 14. But back to the prospects. You were saying that you don't expect to see any of them in the big leagues. I wouldn't be shocked if Justin Schaefer actually makes a uh, team out of camp. He's a reliever. He spent time in the big leagues last year, started out great, didn't work out so well near the end. But I think that if he comes into spring training the same way he began his big league career last year, I think we could see him in uh, in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform come opening day. Well, that's a good point because the Blue Jays really haven't focused yet on signing relievers right and so mm-hmm. and that is definitely an area of need basically the entire bullpen uh from a veteran standpoint is gone from last year you'll probably still see a couple of signings late maybe even in spring training to fill that void of veterans but uh but yeah i could see justin schaefer making the team out of spring training you're right um i want to get your thoughts quickly before we move on on tj zoik uh, Jays might need some rotation help. Do we see Zoic to start the year? Or do we maybe see him down the stretch, or will we see him at all this year? Well, I think I think to say we're not going to see him at all this year is a, is, is a stretch. Uh, but there's the pun, no pun intended. But uh, but I do not think we will see him in the rotation unless he absolutely blows the lights out. And barring any other injuries in the rotation, uh, I don't think we'll see. I think we'll see him in the AAA rotation to start the year. 
Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Moving on. In last week's episode, Casey Stern joined us. A great conversation once again. If you didn't listen to it, go listen to it. All episodes are still available on all 10, plat- all ten platforms. Casey Stern joined us and we talked about sleeper teams. To Casey, there were none. However, there were fall-off teams, if you will. One of those teams was the Milwaukee Brewers. Casey said that the Brewers were, could go from first to third in that division with the Cardinals, Cubs, and maybe the Reds making a push. A very bold prediction, but he isn't by any stretch alone in that thinking. Several articles have been published over the past week saying how the Brewers could drop off big time by as many as 19 wins, putting them, putting them at a 77-85 and 85 record simply because they have done, they've done relatively nothing this offseason other than signing Yasmani Grandal, who was their MVP in the NLCS. So I wanted to get your thoughts on a possible miss of the playoffs for the Brewers next year or this year. Well, I think it's extremely legit. I think Casey's take on that, and he's better, better at this than, than most in the industry, and, and, and his predictions tend to, <laughs> tend to actually come true for the most part. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's a good take because you do see that the, the Cardinals are, are coming back to the, the pack again and um, and probably going to exceed. I think the Cubs always you, you have to worry about no matter what. And so uh, so I think you you could see a third place finish for the Brewers. I think that's very legitimate because, you know, I don't see anything that's really pushed them over the top this offseason. And uh, unless barring any surprise signings between now and spring training or even during spring training, it, it looks like they could have very easily fall back to uh, third place. Yeah, for and sure. even the Reds. I agree with that, too. I think the Reds have an opportunity to uh, to move up. And I we'll think get they're in, starting we'll to make some moves. Yeah. Um, but I think definitely it's, it's a possibility because the Cardinals have Marcelo Zuna, who's settling into his new uniform, Paul Goldschmidt, who is a recent addition. Right, this team is looking like the old Cardinals that won what at what was it, 102 games a couple of years ago. The Cardinals are looking like a team that could even compete to win that division next year. And the Cubs still have Chris Bryan, Kyle Schwarber, and Yu Darvish is coming back. Hopefully, he'll be the Yu Darvish that we knew when he was in Texas and the dominant Yu Darvish that we saw. And that's what the Cubs want to see out of him. They're still an, an extremely dangerous team. So I do think that, like, and we'll add the Reds in later, as you said, but um, I think that it's quite a legitimate possibility to see the Brewers go from first to third or maybe even fourth if the Reds make a push. I don't think it's that crazy, even though the, the, Brewers, ended, or the Brewers won that division last year. Yep, I agree. I agree. And, uh, and I think that you always have to worry about the Cardinals. I don't think they ever go that this year might uh, be the year they really come back. So, uh, and Cardinals fans are notoriously very tough on their team. So oh, you don't say. Af- they can't afford too many. <laughs> they can't afford too many years like they've had in the last couple. So, self-proclaimed best fans in baseball. <laughs> Not to the players. Today, I had the opportunity to talk to Director of Operations at the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, Scott Crawford. It was a great conversation. Always great to talk baseball with a guy like him. So we'll let you listen in. Now, Scott Crawford, the Director of Operations at the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, joins us. Hey, Scott, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you today? No problem. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am fantastic. So, Scott, I know the inductees won't be announced until next week, next Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But for those who don't know, how does someone get inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame? 
Well, it's, uh, we have a, a process, a voting process similar to Cooperstown, the other Hall of Fames. It's, uh, people can uh, nominate someone for the Hall of Fame. It's a part of the public has to nominate people. It's how you get on our ballot. Um, and then we have a selection committee spread across Canada. We have 24 voters spread across the country, uh, made up of uh, media and past inductees and baseball executives, baseball historians. And they get the uh, opportunity to send in their first round vote. And then we have a conference call with everyone on the committee where everyone gets their opportunity to talk uh, up or down somebody on the ballot. You know, they think they should be in, they, you know, and reasons why. And then they, they submit their final vote and, and you have to get 75% of the vote to get in. So it is quite a bit like Cooperstown. Uh, any first time nominees this year? Uh, there's, there's always a few, we tend to keep the ballot pretty quiet. Um, mm-hmm. but there's always, uh, you know, you have to be retired three years to be on the ballot or to be eligible for the ballot. So people sort of just do the math that way and, and see who's on. Sounds good. Um, how many inductees do you, would you say you guys have per year for those who don't know? Uh, we usually average three to four per year. Um, you know, the most we've ever had is six and the least we've ever had is one, but, uh, usually three or four. So quite a few people do tend to get in. Uh, now, I understand that you guys are having renovations and extensions happening right now. So what exactly is going on and how much are you guys growing? Yeah, no, it's, it's been an exciting year. 2018, we were closed all year because of the renovations and ex- expansion. We added 2,500 square feet uh, to our museum here in St. Mary's and uh, included half the spaces, just archive research and library space for our, for our vast collection we have. And then a nice new entrance gift shop so we can welcome people when they come in properly. And then a multi-purpose room, which is, which is exciting because it's, uh, it's a room we didn't have before to uh, you know, run events, to hold groups and busloads of people, and uh, also to have a rotating exhibit space so we can keep changing things up and bring people in new, to see new items. Sounds fun. I'll, I'm excited to check it out. I'll certainly be visiting. Um, so the multi-purpose room. What are you exactly? What exactly are you guys planning on using that for? Yeah, it's uh, it's for several uh, several things. I mean, the main thing will be um, uh, display space, uh, but it'll be display space that will change. The more the current museum or the older part of the museum is more for our permanent exhibits. So this multi-purpose space is going to be exhibit space, but exhibit space that can move easily. So when we have a an event we want to run, or a group wants to rent the space, or we know we have a bus group coming in. We want to do a presentation to them. We can easily move what's uh, what's going to be on display out and uh, host the event or group, and then and then put the stuff back. Sounds good. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to be great for the for the Hall of Fame. Now this year in Cooperstown, Roy Halliday, the late Roy Halliday, was inducted. Uh, I know that he was in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Did you get a chance to meet him and uh, spend some time with him? Oh, definitely. Lots of time with him and his wife, Brand, Ryan, his kids. They're a fantastic family. I mean, I got to make the call to the inductees each year. So I remember calling Roy back in February 2017 and, and uh, you know, kept in touch with him up until when he was here induction day and uh, with his family. And he was, he was so great. You could tell what his kids meant to him. Uh, you know, he was able to share on stage. You know, they were young when he was pitching. And uh, it, it was really great to, to meet him and his family and, and honor his great career, you know, of course, you never know what's hap- going to happen, and, and uh, it turns out uh, Roy had that uh, accident just a few months later, but uh, it was great to have him in St. Mary's and have him uh, at the Hall of Fame.
Yeah, you hear all these stories about how he's such a great family man. He's an even better family man than he was a pitcher. Uh, but for you to get a chance to meet him, that's, that's pretty great and know him as a person. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I agree. I mean, he was, he was great. I mean, he came off the, uh, we got, we met him in Toronto first that weekend and he basically, you know, wanted to, wanted to see where we needed help. And I, and I just explained to him, oh, no, Roy, this is for you and your family. This is the weekend we celebrate your career. You don't, you know, you don't have to help us. We'll, we'll help you and make it a great weekend. Such a great guy. Uh, tragic passing almost two years ago now. So, Scott, he was a no doubt, ho- uh, no doubt inductee into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, but what are your thoughts on Larry Walker still not being in Cooperstown? I think it's um, terrible, of course. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm a little biased, obviously, as are most Canadians uh, who love baseball. Um, but if he, he's climbing. He went up 20%. He had the most additional votes this year out of anybody. Uh, he's got to now climb another 20% in his last year vote. Uh, I, I think he's got a chance. I mean, you look at guys that, uh, you know, Edgar Martinez and Barry Larkin and a few other guys that really climbed the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, the writers are starting to turn. They're not as much talk about the Colorado days and, and uh, didn't play enough, et cetera, et cetera, looking at his advanced stats. And, and my, my thing is he was an all-round player. I have, I have no issues at all with Edgar Martinez getting in the Hall of Fame. And they both were pretty much the exact same hitter. If you look at their hitting stats, they're on base, they're slugging the OPS, et cetera, et cetera. But Larry Walker won seven gold gloves out in right field and stole 230 bases. And uh, again, not putting Edgar down at all. He's a great hitter and I'm glad he's in the hall, but you know, Edgar didn't play defense and, and uh, Edgar's in the hall of fame and Larry Walker's not. And Larry Walker's got seven gold gloves on his, on his mantle at home. So I think Larry should be in. And I think next year it's going to be a nail biter, but I get, I bet you gets over the 75%. You know what? He, he definitely had a hall of fame career and it baffles me every year to see that he has, he's yet to be inducted into the hall of fame and he's in his last year of eligibility this coming year, right? Yep. He's in his 10th to final year uh, coming up for Cooperstown. And there's, there's a lot of people pulling for him on Twitter and social media. There's tons of good reasons why he should be in, how he's, he had much better stats than a, than a lot of players that are already in the hall of fame. And so I think, you know, we got to pull together those last, uh, you know, another 20% of the writers have to change their mind, though. So we got to work a lot harder on that. Yeah, I think he's he's super close. And well, he's not super close, but he's closer than he was last year. That's for sure. And one final push, maybe we'll get him over the hump uh, quickly before we let you go. What is your take and distancing ourselves from the Hall of Fame a little bit? What is your take on the slow MLB offseason that we've seen this year and last year? <laughs> um, well, I think this year has a lot to do with that, those two big names, Harper and Machado, uh, because obviously they're going to get the most money out of anyone this year, the longest contract out of anyone, um, and therefore it's taking a long time. I mean, before Harper is a free agent, you know, he was talking 10 years and, and $400 million. <laughs> yeah. And now you keep hearing for either of those guys, it's maybe five, six, seven years and 200 million, which is still crazy money, but it's pro sports and, and they're all the same. There's a lot of money flying around, but um, you know, I think as soon as one of those guys signs, the other guy's going to sign really fast. And then a whole bunch of people are going to sign, but tomorrow's February 1st and, and spring training starts in, in less than two weeks. So it's, it's going to be a lot of people, worrying whether they have a job this summer and uh, with their suitcases packed and ready to go in, in some direction down to Florida or Arizona very quickly. 
Yeah, and we've been hearing the Padres a lot this week. Do you think that the Padres have a chance of signing one of these guys? I think so. I mean, the, you got to look at the, some of the top teams in base or top farm teams in baseball. The Padres, the White Sox, and the Blue Jays are sort of top three in all of baseball right now for, for prospects and their farm system. I mean, prospects don't always turn out. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, these guys are young. They're, Harper and Machado are both 26, so they're still relatively young. They just have been playing for a long time already. Um, so to add one of those to a, a lineup where you're going to be good in a year or so for the next several years is, uh, isn't, isn't a terrible, terrible thing to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Thanks so much for joining us, Scott. The Canadian Hall of Fame, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame inductees will be announced next Tuesday. I believe you guys are going to have a press release for that. Yeah, on, the, on Tuesday, February 5th, about 9 a.m. in the morning, we'll shoot out a mass email and, and be all over social media. Sounds good. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. We hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for coming. Scott Crawford, president of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Great interview. Great guy. Moving to probably the most confusing organization in baseball. Slick transition. I just keep going with those, don't I? The San Diego Padres. The Padres might be in on Manny Machado and JT Robinuto. Simple question. Is there any possibility at all that they pull one of these moves off? No. Simple answer. Yeah. <laughs> I just That's kind of what I was expecting. I, I look at them and I go, I don't know what they're doing, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, geez, if they can do both, I suppose. I mean, you'd have to convince Manny that they're getting real Muto to, for Manny to even consider it. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful places in all of the United States to be. So it's not like it's a city issue, like say the White Sox, but, uh, and I, I know I keep going back to bashing the White Sox, but I mean, really, yeah, we're stop. Well, where they are in Chicago, you just don't want to be there. Right. I mean, and, and so the Padres different story, but I mean, the only other thing is if I'm Manny Machado or if I'm JT Real Muto, which I don't have a choice if I'm traded, but, um, the reality is I'm going to probably get traded within two years again anyway, when they realize they can't hack it and move half the <laughs> roster. So it's, it's like, who do I think I'm going to play for next? If I'm Manny Machado, because I have, I can't really believe that I'm going to be able to be a San Diego Padre for eight years. So, I mean, it's just weird. I don't know where they're coming from as far as, as far as their efforts to sign players and, and, you know, compete or not compete, which they pretty much never do. And I don't know. It's, it's a tough call with the Padres. I don't think this is a reality. I don't think that either player would want to be there. Not that Real Muto has a choice, but uh, it's just, uh, it, again, I don't believe in a lot of what the Padres do. Um, Casey brought it up last week when we interviewed him that the Padres are probably the most confusing organization in the league. And what they do, it never has any explanation to it. These guys are rebuilding. They have Fernando Tatis coming up and a bunch of other great prospects. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, on January 31st, they're in on JT Romuto, one of the best catchers in baseball, and Manny Machado, one of the most expensive free agents this year. Like, where is this coming from? What, what, what happened in the organization that all of a sudden they want a guy who's probably going to play shortstop for you, which kind of cuts off Tatis at that position. He's going to have to move to second, probably. Um, so what what goes on in an organization for you to all of a sudden go from nothing to where you're in on Real Muto and Machado? I don't think that either of these things end up happening. I don't think the Padres are going to get Machado because I think that 
yeah, it's a nice place, but it's the Padres. And I don't think they're going to get JT Romuto because I feel like the Marlins are going to want some of their top prospects. And if I'm the Padres, I'm not giving that up because you've worked so hard. You've had terrible systems, and now you have one of the best systems in baseball. If I'm AJ Prowler in the San Diego Padres, I don't give up those prospects because they're going to want two top prospects at least. And I think I read it was a big league ready outfielder. I think that I heard uh, that they want. I'm not giving them that. As the Padres, you worked so hard to get, build up your system and maybe actually compete for once in the 2000, 2000s. And um, you're just going to let that all go because, because you want JT Romuto? I don't see them making either of these moves this offseason. Well, I'll give them this. You know, they're exactly what most fan bases want their teams to be right now, which is if you're in a rebuild mode and you look at the team that we follow the closest, the Blue Jays, I mean, there's a lot of people of the opinion that would say, not necessarily Machado, but that would say, why would the Jays not consider a Bryce Harper? We had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I think that this is one of the things that's happening with the the Padres. They're actually turning around and considering some of these players when maybe it doesn't seem like it fits this year, and they're thinking more toward the future and and so you know i think it's possible as you said they have a great uh, a great farm system and if they keep that intact and you have a machado for the next eight years maybe it does lead you to a division win and perhaps a world series appearance or even win so you know i i think from a fan base perspective if i'm a padres fan i'm really happy to hear them be padres fan whoa Whoa, whoa, pa- there, there's, there are Padres fans? <laughs> there are definitely Padres fans. News to me. And I think if I'm one of them, I'm really happy to hear this conversation. Again, on the same page as you, I don't, I don't see it. But at the same time, if it does, then this is exactly what every franchise's fan base would have wanted their franchise to do, especially if uh, they're in a re- rebuilding mode. So good on the Padres for being involved and thinking about doing this, but I just don't see it at this point happening. I don't either. I don't think that they'll be willing because the Marlins are going to ask for some top prospects because you're getting a great catcher in Real Muto. So I, I don't see the Padres being okay with giving up some of their best prospects that could lead them to championships just so you can get a JT Romuto and maybe, maybe, just maybe a Manny Machado. Uh, switching to one of the big, busiest teams this offseason, the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds, who are looking to become the uh, big machine they once were, have made a lot of moves in an attempt to head back to the postseason. Some of the moves include Sonny Gray, Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig, Tanner Roark, and Alex Wood bolstering their rotation and their offense. A few days ago, it was announced they were in on JT Romuto. Have they done enough to go back to fall baseball? Or is Rum is Romuto the missing piece? Or are they a few pieces away? That's a tough call with the Reds. I think that they might still be a few pieces away. But I, I again, you know, they've done some good things. They've done some nice things. They've done some riskier things. Like, I mean, you look at a Sonny Gray, and yes, there's potential that he could return to open form. And, and, I mean, but there's potential with every player. And the, and the, the reality is... He has not had a good couple of years. And so if he continues that trend, then it's not a big move for them. It's maybe even regresses them a little bit. However, if he returns to form, then that's a completely different story. So there's options to really move in this division. I just don't those names and injury-related issues and performance-related issues over the past years, if that's really a realistic 
thought. However, you never know. And I think that the Reds are a good organization. I think they, um, they are, are definitely on the right track. And I just want to sort of leave it at that because I don't, but I, I can predict either way right now with the names that they use, that they signed. But at the same time, um, you know, Rio Muto absolutely helps them push a little further toward that. But again, barring injuries and performance related issues, it's really hard to predict where they're going to end up. Yeah. I think that they certainly have potential to climb in that division. Like you said, maybe be a wild card team. Maybe if the Brewers are terrible and the NL and the Phillies don't get Harper and Machado, but um I, I don't know because I think that obviously with the trades that they made, they're going to be a much better team next year. But like you said, some of these guys haven't been – if Yassiel Puig returns to the guy we saw a couple of years ago and Matt Kemp plays like he did in the first half last year, Alex Wood pitches like we've seen him pitch in the past. Tanner Roark is the ace that he was a couple of years ago in Washington. Uh, and Sonny Gray returns to Oakland for him. Boy, oh boy, you've got a good team there. Like you, That's going to be a tough – tough team to face but i don't know i can't like you said i can't make a prediction right now at this point in time as to where the uh the reds are headed because there's no way to really tell if they're going to be a like you look at the red Sox and the yankees they're probably going to be in the postseason that's an easy prediction to make with the reds they're not a team like the blue jays or padres that you can say with almost full certainty, you're not going to be in the playoffs next year unless the Padres pull off a real Muto Machado and Guerrero surges for the Jays. But the Reds are a team where you can't pick a side because they're kind of in the middle right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Tuesday, the Blue Jays signed shortstop Freddie Galvis to a one-year, $4 million deal with an option for 2020. I think it's a good signing for the Jays that will pay off even though it's another log in the log jam of Blue Jays infielders. However, by signing Freddie Gallus, does that mean that the Blue Jays aren't completely sold on Lourdes Gurriel's Jr. on Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s defense? Shaida Vivi wrote a column on Sportsnet.ca talking about how he thinks how he thinks that that's the case. But what are your thoughts, and what do you think this means for Lourdes Gurriel? Well, I, I think it does a couple of things. I think it lights a fire under Lourdes to to prove the the upper management wrong here but i do think and i agree with shy that i think that this is probably one of those uh situations where you're gonna you, you do have some concerns about defense and you do have some concerns that uh maybe there's a regression in the offing too as far as like a, a sophomore slump right so you know and i hope that's not the case because i really actually do like guriel jr i like him as a shortstop i like his his fire and his flair and i like his his effort he makes and uh, the hair. And well, I mean, he's got the best hair in baseball, right? So, but but he uh, he certainly uh, has opportunity to prove everyone wrong. He's going to have to do that. I think this move makes him do that. So, in that sense, the move positive. On the second side of things, I just don't know what the heck the Blue Jays are doing with other holes to fill worrying about more infielders it doesn't make any sense to me we've still got lots of bullpen need and maybe even some rotation need it doesn't make sense to be going after all these infielders i like a galvis i think he's good but i just don't uh, i don't see why this move was made other than to maybe light a fire under lourdes Gurriel jr which is fine but why not do this in second week of spring training then and worry about your other holes first 
Yeah, I, I think that Galvis, he can play anywhere on the infield except for first. And I think that maybe he takes over for a Brandon Drury once Guerrero's up because maybe you tell Drury to skadooch on out of there and you take uh, Galvis and play him. Thank you. I, uh, I practiced that <laughs> and put Galvis in that utility role, but I'm not sure. Um, Freddie Galvis has a ton of defense, and Guriel needs to work on that defense. He committed a lot of errors last year. Uh, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think that all they're doing is is making a bigger problem for themselves. They traded they traded Eladmus Diaz and on Tedder on Hervis Alarche, so they would have less infielders. Uh, and you just signed Freddie Galvis, and if I'm not mistaken, I forget who it was, but didn't they sign another infielder earlier? This uh, uh, offseason, I might be wrong. I think but, you're right. Uh, I just uh, yeah. I can't remember which one, but but and and I think that this is also July 31st trade deadline bait potentially mm-hmm. as well. The difference is that if Guriel actually puts out a great effort and ends up being what we think he can be, then Galvis probably doesn't get enough playing time to be a big trade chip at the uh, at the deadline. So it it's tough to still understand the full scope of this move, but but hey, we're not Ross Atkins and and obviously Galvis was able to hear through all of his his talk potential and everything else and and decided to sign on the dotted line for whatever reason. There is even an option for the second year, so uh you know, they obviously believe that maybe he could be a key cog in this this Hold on, hold on. Define cog. <laughs> I don't even know. A piece to the puzzle, all right? But uh mm. <laughs> define cog. But yeah, I think it's a, I think he's a good move in another team. I just don't see see Galvis as a good move for the Blue Jays just cuz there's just I don't see the fit there. But anyway, we'll uh move on from that because it's that's exactly what I feel and I have nothing more to say on it. Okay, well, you just shut that right down. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, there's potential for good in this move. I just, I don't get it, other than to light that fire under Guriel. And if you do, then there's no place for Galvis. So that doesn't make sense. So it's just yeah. weird. Yeah, I know. I, it doesn't make much sense to me. It just you abruptly shut that down. It kind of. Oh, do you mean the topic? I yeah, the see, topic. Yeah. Just yeah, went I cut right you deep down there, with didn't that. I, I cut you real deep, didn't I? Dylan? Yeah, I, I, mean, I lost my point. And I forgot what I was going to say. You kind of just screwed me over. <laughs> um, <laughs> quickly, real quick, predictions for Blue Jays opening day outfield next year. We're going to have a 2019 prediction show coming up in two weeks. But quickly, what do you think the Blue Jays, because I know it's, it was a topic on Sportsnet and on MLB.com, well, the Blue Jays at bat, app um what are your predictions for what the outfield will look like who's your fourth outfielder who's your left fielder my fourth outfielder is no less than mr teoscar hernandez uh and the reason for that is i don't want him touching my defense at all this year <laughs> if i can avoid it um how, so what i would like to see or think we're gonna see i, de- I definitely think pilar remains in center field uh for the time being i think that's ultimately where gritchick goes but uh but Right now, it's Pilar, and it's going to be Pilar this year. I think that we'll see Grichik and right, and we'll see uh, McKinney and left. And and I don't, uh, I don't have any doubt really about that, unless somebody really deuces the futon in spring training. But uh, shout out but, to uh, Brent Wales, deuces the futon. 
that's right. He, he likes that one. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's, that's mine. I don't know what yours is, but that's where I'm, I'm thinking we're going to land. Uh, yeah, you know what? Unless uh, Forrest Wall puts on some kind of display in spring training, I think that you have an outfield of Grichik in right, Pilar in center, McKinney in left, and you have Teoscar Hernandez as your fourth outfielder. If not, maybe you have Forrest Wall in that outfield starting out in left field like Pilar did. But I think Pilar is going to be the center fielder this year, and he's going to have that center field role probably just for this year. He might get traded at the end of the year. I don't know. I think he's a, When is he a free agent? Do you know? I think it's next year, but okay. I think he also, I, yeah, I think he's for sure one of those guys that's on the bubble for July 31st trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's, if he even hits 250 this year and plays defense like he normally does, he's actually going to fetch you some good prospects potentially at July 31st. So I think mm-hmm. that's why they hung on to him. And, uh, and I can probably see him moving at, at the 31st deadline. Yeah. And I think. Uh, ultimately, Grishik will take over that center field spot. Maybe Forrest Wall will once he's fully big league ready. But I do think that we'll see Grishik, Pilar, McKinney in the outfield and Teoscar Hernandez as your DH or fourth outfielder. So, like I said, 2019 prediction show coming up in two weeks. Um, barring any setback, Brent Wales will join us next week, hopefully. So this has been episode 14 of 211's Baseball Talk for Chris Baker and our very special guest, Scott Crawford. We will see you all next week.